Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey there, friends. Grant Baldwin back with another episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to be chatting with my good friend, John Acuff. Now, John is a uh, New York Times bestselling author, one of the best speakers that uh, I've ever seen and know, and uh, one of my great friends here in Nashville. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, that you may know a few things about John, his story. He's been on the show a couple of times. So this time around, we're going to dig into the ideas surrounding his new book, All It Takes is a Goal. In this episode, we're going to dig into how to set incremental goals, how to climb the ladder to success, what it means for you to launch a speaking career. John's going to share his thoughts on setting goals without setting yourself up for failure, launching your speaking career, and using other sales products like books to grow your speaking business. So if you're ready to launch a speaking career and need a little extra pep in your step, this episode is for you. Let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with John Acuff. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, joined by uh, one of my good friends, Mr. John Acuff. Uh, we were just talking, uh, John's been on the show three to four-ish times, give or take, something like that. Yeah. So uh, good to have him back for round four, five, six, whatever it may be. So who's the most? Who's been on it the most other than you? Uh, well, we've had uh, Eric Reams been on quite a bit. He's uh, one of our co-hosts from time to time. Um, so one of our coaches facilitators. So that, you know, non-TSL people. I don't know. You got to be up there. Sean Hanks has been on a few times. Yeah. Everybody in ours. I feel like I'm up there. Oh yeah. Hanks. Getting ready to have Hanks on again. So Hanks, Hanks knows his stuff. He knows what he's talking about, but nice. we're not here for Hanks. Yeah, we're here for you. Uh, glad you're here, man. Um, so a couple of things we're going to be talking about. One is uh, you've got a new book coming out that I, I want to touch on. It's called All It Takes uh, is a Goal. You are someone that is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal writer. You've written and published several books. But as it relates to, to this topic of All It Takes is a Goal, I'd be curious to hear a bit more for you, especially like when you got started in speaking of... There's a lot of speakers in that same spot going like, I have a goal to become a speaker, um, yeah. which sounds nice. But like, how do you break that down from a practical standpoint? Because speaking, as you well know, is such an aspirational thing that so many people want to do. You get hit yeah. up all the time. Yeah. Hey, I want to do what you do, man. Just tell me what, you know, like, so how do we break that down from a, into like a goal uh, oriented process of like, what does it take to become yeah. a speaker? Yeah. So I guess I look at it, I think about goals like a ladder, like imagine a ladder where one vertical rung is time and one is effort. And if you said to somebody, Hey, Grant, I want you to get to the top of that 14 foot tall ladder. You have two options. You can jump and try to grab the 14 foot tall rung and do a pull up. And, you know, it's essentially touching the top of a backboard in basketball, or you can start at the bottom and start climbing deliberately, slowly, intelligently until you get to it which one would you do? You would say, okay, well, I'm going to do that bottom thing. It's the same with goals. You start with something easy. 
you work your way up to something, what I call a middle goal, and then eventually a guaranteed goal. So an easy goal with speaking, if you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to climb that goal ladder, which is one of the concepts in the book, is I'm going to find somewhere free I can speak. I'm not going to say like a keynote is top of the ladder. Like I'm going to do a, a keynote for Range Rover. Awesome. I think you can do that. I think that's amazing. That's a great goal. I don't think that's going to be the first six months. I don't think that's going to be the first year. But okay, can I find a place where I can speak for free? Can I find an organization? Maybe the middle goal is like, can I find a breakout at a bigger event that they'll let me do? Like, can I find a breakout spot? Can I start to, and you start to do it that way. The challenge is we often see people when they're toward the top of the right. goal and we go, oh, this is, this is what it's like, where we don't see like, I was joking with somebody just the other day. I, I interviewed my former boss from Dave Ramsey, a guy named Bill Hampton. He'd be brilliant to have on the show. You'd love Bill Hampton. He, he lives in uh, Franklin and he was saying, you know, John, I love getting to see where you are now, but I remember where you were. Like, I remember like you in Effingham, Illinois, like a Super Bowl Sunday, you know, like at the Ramada and there's 14 people. And so a lot of times those things, we don't see them. We see the after. And so we think I got to get to the after. So with speaking, I think about it like, what's an easy goal I can turn into a middle goal that I can turn into a guaranteed goal? By guaranteed, I mean, like I just did a podcast with somebody, their concept is a thousand hours outside. Like, and it's brilliant and it's so well done. They've got over half a million Instagram followers. And we are saying, if you spend a thousand hours outside in a year with your family, you're going to be more connected to your yeah. family. That's a guarantee. There's no surprise of like, yeah, it was weird. I spent, if I work out a hundred times this year and I did zero times last year, I'm guaranteed to be in better yeah. shape. If I write an hour a day, if I practice speaking, I'm guaranteed to be a better speaker. That's what I mean by guaranteed. So I really look at it as a process, but that first step is, can I get some content? Can I get some contacts? Can I get some free engagements where I can get some reps and then build from there? So even whenever you describe that ladder, you know, like you touched on, a lot of times we look at speakers who are near the top or, you know, approaching the top of that ladder and going like, I want to be there and thinking that even if we've had some type of success or some type of accomplishment or achievement outside of the speaking world, we think that for some reason we can skip a bunch of rungs and no. I can just do a running, a running start no, dude. and I can jump to, you know, rung seven and be halfway no. there. When in reality, like it doesn't often work like that. So Maybe walk us through even for yourself of, I know today that you are an incredibly successful speaker. You do really well. You you are, I've shared this with you, like you're one of the best uh, speakers I've seen live and in person. Oh, thanks, um, And so you, you are a very, very phenomenal at what it is that you do. But I also recognize like having known you for many, many years um, as a friend and from afar that you've put a lot of work and a lot of effort. And it wasn't like you just woke up someday and, and had some magical golden ticket that nobody else had. So- what was especially early on for you of like, I think I can do this, but also realizing like that means I'm going to have to go on rungs one and two and three that sometimes suck. And uh, oftentimes like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I want to skip to the fun part. What was that early part like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I found a, a piece of paper the other day, like a contract from one of my early gigs and I, I got paid $800 and I had to fly from Atlanta to, to San Diego and speak twice. And I was like, I was thrilled, dude. Did they cover your thrilled. travel? Was that eight hundred? They covered like I think they covered like half of it. Okay. Like it wasn't full travel. Like there, no. You're breaking and, even on it. At yeah. Best. And so like, but there's this thing where when you're doing it, there's definitely moments where you're frustrated. And you want better, faster progress. But a lot of those moments, I didn't even know I should feel frustrated. I was just so thrilled to get to do it. Like yeah. I love it so much that I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I get to do this. 
Um, so like a lot of the time, a lot of the pain of it, you kind of get numb to because the joy is so fun and it's so like, and so I want to touch though on what you said. I, that's a great point where if you've had success in another field, you don't get to skip rungs. So mm-hmm. I, where I see that is I sometimes will have, I remember a guy retired, a top salesman at a huge multi-billion dollar company retired. He saw me speak and called me and was like, Hey, I want to do what you do. And I was like, okay. And like, I started to kind of walk him through the process and he, you could tell he was furious because he was the top of one in ladder yeah. and just thought, no, no, no. I'm just going to lean from the top of this ladder over this other ladder. And like, I didn't tell him this because he was definitely not in a spot where he could receive feedback, but I wanted to be like, dude, no one's heard of you. Like no one outside, like you're the top of your company ladder, but on in every other company, no one's ever heard of you. And that's not failure. You just haven't done the thing. So you're going to, it's going to take some time to create some content, to create some buzz, to create some community, to create some, you know, like there's nobody, you know, and so you go, now I did this other thing. It's kind of like you ever see an NFL player who sucks at announcing? Like they do it for oh, like yeah. three games and you never hear from them again. Right, right. And you're like, but I thought he played in the NFL for 10 years. He's a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, it turns out performing in a game or commenting on a game are very different crafts. Mm-hmm. And he thought, nah, dude, I throw touchdowns. I know how to break down a game and do color comment. Like, no, you don't. Like that takes and you have a chance to engage in that with humility and and work on it and put in the reps and the effort or it just it just falls apart and so i remember so many times where i would go and again it would be low fee small audience maybe new content um and i would i you know i'd put together my own slides and it was you know it was me learning how to do it and you just have to you really have to look at like if there's five people in there or 500, I have to give my best. Now you don't give the same presentation. I don't like when somebody acts like it's a stadium and there's only five people. I think, yeah. I don't think that's honest to the moment. I think it's better to circle the wagons and go, Hey, I mean, I remember I spoke at uh, the college I attended and I thought in my head it was going to be like Goodwill, not Goodwill Hunting, uh, Dead Poet Society. I thought like I was going to come back as an alumni and New York Times bestseller. And like all these students were going to stand up on their desks when I was done and like, you know, like, oh, my captain, my captain, dude. It was a Friday afternoon. It was a sunny Friday afternoon at like 3 p.m. Like I wouldn't have gone to me like a Friday afternoon in college. And it's for no credit for for just like hey John Acuff is out coming. of the goodness of your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so dude, there were like 80 chairs set up and I think four people came. So I still tried to really serve those four people, yeah, yeah. but I didn't act like a thousand were there and do a full keynote in that style. I sat down, we did a round table, I asked a bunch of questions of them and vice versa. So I yeah, there's a lot of moments like that where I look back and go, man, that one where, you know, like that was hard. That was challenging. It was good for the ego. It was good for and I just, I always tell people like, at least in this industry, in my opinion, you don't arrive in the sense of when I go speak at a big event, 99% of the time, they've never heard from, heard of me. Like, and that's not, and I'm trying, like I'm writing books, I'm putting stuff out, but I think about it. Like I heard Bill Burr, this comedian say there's home games and away games. And mm-hmm. a home game is when you sell tickets to your event. Mm-hmm. And an away game is every other game. My 99% of my job is away games. And now I enjoy the challenge. Like I, like I enjoy going into a room that doesn't expect to laugh that maybe doesn't know has never heard of me. And I'm like, Oh, we're, we're going to have a fun time that like, we're going to, I'm going to yeah. get like, we're going to really enjoy this. Like if I do my job really well, 
the sound guy is going to lean in. The sound guy is going to buy a book. Like that happened to me a couple of weeks ago when I got off stage, the sound guy was like, well, ordered your book while you're talking. Mm. And if you can win the jaded sound guy over at the JW Marriott, who's heard every presentation, then you're like, let's do it. So now I have that mentality of like, I don't feel like I've arrived because most of the time I step into a room, they've never heard of me. I don't have any home games. Yeah. Like I, don't, I really don't. They're all away games. And I'm like, I love to play on the road. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And I just love it. So that's that's how I kind of think about it. Well, sticking with the sports analogy, I always think about uh, like Michael Jordan, the basketball player and Michael Jordan, the baseball player, you know, Jordan, the basketball or player. the business yeah. owner. He sucked yeah. at the wit. Like he's been a terrible owner of the Wizards. He drafted Kwame Brown. Uh, uh, no, the uh, Bobcats. Yeah, Bobcats. Well, they were. Yeah. He he was with the yeah Wizards. and yeah, the Bobcats yeah. and they turned the Hornets. Either way, he sucked. Either, either way. way, he was terrible at it. He was terrible, and you're like, oh man, like he was the one that drafted Kwame Brown or whatever, and you're like, that guy was a bust. You're like, yes, he turns out Jordan isn't great at everything because he's human. Like, so is the main thing then if, if for someone who's had some level of success in whatever their career or whatever element of life, and they go, I want to become a speaker. And is the biggest necessity to start back at, at the, the first couple rungs there of setting that goal is just humility and just honesty and having a, a level of realism with yourself of where you're at? No, I think it's a mix. So I think you take as much as you can from your previous success. So I'm not saying discount that. Like a lot of times when I when speakers or people who want to be speakers will say, hey, I've been a successful doctor and I did it. I'll go, that's amazing. Like you have 80% of the things you need. That's amazing. Let's make sure we bring those. And so you don't discount that, but you also, it's this tension of, I bring that up expertise, but then I also go, okay, I might've been on stage for my company. At, at, I'm a CEO of a hospital. Might've been on stage for my company every year for 10 years. So then when I go to try to speak to Nissan, and they give me a breakout in a small room, that's not failure. That's the rung I'm on. Cool. I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to work my way up that ladder. I'm going to work my way up that ladder with my expertise. I think you could climb the ladder faster when you're an expert at something else already. Like you and I have seen that. Like former athletes climb the ladder faster. Yeah. Like people that have done other things climb the ladder faster. But I think it's about setting your expectations. I, I think it's about um, setting the reality. I think it's about putting in the work, about thinking about the client, like outperforming, you know what their expectations are. So I think it's just this huge mix. I mean, humility's in there, but if you're already a high performer, you're probably already going to have the willpower to get up the ladder. Like if you've already, you just have to decide, if, is it worth the time and the effort? And for me, speaking is. I think it's the best career in the world. I, you and I talk about that all the time. I think it's the greatest career in the world. And so I think the people listening to this, like, yeah, if you're thinking about joining the greatest industry, like, yeah, let's go. It's the best. Right. I love it. How do you, uh, how can someone keep a, uh, when setting a goal, uh, the balance between like what is, uh, realistic and what is not. And so whether it comes to speaking, whatever it may be, cause there's going to be people who are watching, listening, going like, I want to be a 25,000. I want to be a $50,000 keynote speaker. Right. And some of them will have the, the skill set, the ability, the name, the check the boxes, enough things, and they, uh, they can get there. And other speakers like for the topic or for their skill set or for their background or for whatever it may be. They're just not going to be a $25,000, $50,000 speaker in the same way that like you and I, as much as we may love, you know, some sport, like we're not going to be professional athletes. Like yeah. we're just not. And so yeah. how do you balance like, okay, I want to set a goal, but also like not set myself up for failure. Well, so my version of that, Grant, um, I'm writing it, the best books I can. They, you know, I've sold 867,000 books. Like I'm working my way toward a million. 
but I know I probably will never be a $250,000 speaker because I'm not a celebrity. Like there's a celebrity ceiling and what we do, there is. So like if I had directed a movie, if I was in a movie, whatever, like you can't in the same way that like, do you think George Clooney is a tequila expert? Of course not. Did he sell a tequila company for a billion dollars? Of course he did. Like is Ryan Reynolds a gin expert? Like he spent his whole life like with floral notes of cucumber and elderberry making, of course not. Like, so there's a celebrity level. So like you have to make peace with that. I, it'd yeah. be so crazy for me to be frustrated. Like imagine we're, cause we're friends off this podcast. If I call and he was like, dude, the 250,000 offers are just not coming in. I'm furious. Like you would be like, oh, homie, I have terrible news. That is, you don't have access to that. You don't yeah. have access to that. So I think there's this sense of, there's two things at play. One is, does the content I create, what does it lead to? So if you have a niche topic and it's a small topic, but it's going to really deeply help a small group of people, that equates to a certain amount of money and a certain amount of events. And that's not a bad thing. Like mm -hmm. I heard this woman speak, she lost her, um, her partner in a flood and it was tragic and it was about trauma. And like, there's not going to be a hundred companies that book that talk. Like, and that's not a, like, but she really helped a large group of people in a trauma setting, but the, you yeah. wouldn't say, I've got this trauma talk. I'd like to do at your sales kickoff. They'd be like, no, no, no thank you. No, mm -hmm. thank you. That is not what we want. Same with, I mean, we live in Nashville. There's musicians who are like, I love playing 1840s accordion music in a modern style. Awesome. If that fills you up, awesome. But you wouldn't go, and I'm furious I'm not playing Bridgestone Arena. I don't mm -hmm. know why that has, like, like, how come Taylor Swift is getting all these breaks? She plays pop music, dude. It's different. She's on a different path. So I think that's one thing. The second thing is I like to think about it in good, better, best. So give yourself three ranges. So it'd be good if I got to this. It'd be better if I got to this. It would be the best if I got to this. So maybe my goal is I want to do four paid speaking events this year. Awesome. That'd, that'd be good. But you know, it'd be even better if I did six. All right, great. Maybe you'll land on six. Maybe some things will turn out. And it'd be best if I did eight. So now you've got a range. And it's not just a perfectionistic, I have to accomplish this exact thing or I'm a failure. You've got a little bit of a range. So I think being honest about where your path leads because the industry will tell you like it'll a speakers bureau will tell you like that you know like people will like the opportunities are telling you and then going okay here's good better best so that i i have something to aim for that's not just singular i'll take a quick detour uh you and i went to a taylor swift concert uh um what a month and a half ago yeah Dude, yeah. our family still talks about it Unbelievable. all the time. I don't so know who's good. doing it at her level. I've never been to a Beyonce show, but I so maybe she is, but I can't think of somebody who's doing it at her level, stadium-wise, song-wise, like the machine she had, like just brilliant, all of it brilliant. So I told a, a buddy yesterday I was texting with, he was like, hey, I'm thinking about getting tickets for my wife and my daughter, should I? I was like, whatever the price is, you should pay it. It's totally worth it. it is, I would go, um, like, my wife and I, we've talked about going again, but we were like, that'd make us awful parents if we yeah. took our daughters a second yeah. time, but it was, so it was good, that dude. good. All right, so total sidetrack side so there. Uh, okay, let's shift gears for a second here. One of the things that you've done really, really well with is uh, over the years of your career is marrying how books fit into your speeches. And so mm -hmm. how do you think about the blending of those two? Because sometimes speakers, uh, there, there's some speakers that we know that like books are a big part of their world. Other times they're just like, ah, I don't want to write. I don't want to mess with any of that. All I want to do is speak. Um, you've, uh, or sometimes people may have a book, but it's kind of mm -hmm. like a separate topic or maybe a fiction topic um, independent of what it is that they may speak about. 
about how do you think about how books and speaking blend together for you? Well, I always tell speakers, I think cornerstone content makes it easier for bureaus to book you. Like a book is just helpful for you to be able to say like, oh, here's what I talk about. I have a book. I did a thing. There's a like, I think it reassures companies. I think it's a level of expertise. So I think it's a really valuable thing to have um, in your kind of speaker toolkit. But I would say I learned, I wrote a book called Do Over about job transition. And I learned pretty quickly, nobody wanted to book me for that topic. And they, I, they should know. It was about job transition. Like I had gone through a job transition. So I wrote a book about that experience. You don't want me speaking at a company about job. I, right. Of course not. Like that makes no sense. And so the next book, I thought, okay, how can I, as I write the book, make sure that there's content in here that would serve a corporate audience. That's who I'm trying to really serve. That's who I'm really trying to speak to. So then instead of just the lens of here's how I think about it in my own life, I started to think about the content as I created it in, I'm standing on a stage. How is this helping people? And how is this, you know, how is this helping the team at Ace Hardware? How is this helping the team at Microsoft? Okay. And then I'm creating content along the way. And then I've just done that. So I did that in um, Finish. I did that in Soundtracks. And I did that in All It Takes is a Goal, where I want, I want a company to feel amazing about buying 500 copies. Like I want them to feel amazing. Now, what I would say is you still translate that content to a keynote. So like Soundtracks, I, my, my last book, I figured out, okay, here are the parts that really are applicable to a company. Great. So these three parts of a 10-part book are the ones I'm going to lean into from a keynote perspective. And then if they buy the book, they'll enjoy the other seven parts. It's not that they disagree with the company, but from a stage perspective, like sometimes it's the content is too long for you to explain in a keynote. Like it's a concept that's like a three-chapter concept. And you're like, this would take a three-hour breakout for me to really do justice. So like in my, and all it takes is a goal. I know... Like there's certain parts that I'm like, I'm going to highlight this. I'm going to highlight this. They can read this in the book. I'll highlight this. I'll highlight that. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what 30% of the book is great for a keynote. But I want to make sure before I write the book, I've written it with that audience in mind so that, so that it's easy for that event planner to go, oh yeah, this is, I've read this book. Like, oh, yeah. that's, you know, I remember I got an event and the CEO told me, hey, do you know why you're here? And I was like, no. And he said, well, my wife heard you on a podcast about weight loss and she said, you've got to read this book. And I read the book and then I brought you to speak to my team. Mm. So the content of the book soundtrack, it was soundtracks was suited for a CEO to read it and go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd put that in front of my people. I'm yeah. always trying to think like, what would they feel good about putting in front of their people? Um, or vice versa. If somebody at the company reads it, I want them to feel good about sending it to the event planner. And going, hey, I know we're coming up with speakers right now. You heard of this guy, John Acuff? I just read his book and it really helped me change how I work and improve what I'm doing. We should book him. So I look at, I look at my books that way, where I want, I want them to be easy for people to feel served in a corporate setting. Do, uh, whenever you are giving a presentation, are you uh, ever testing material that would end up in a book or vice versa? 100%, 100%, dude. Like if I... If I'm at an event and I share an idea from stage that's not in a book and it really gets a response and the client brings it up later and I can really see the audience lean in, I'm like, oh, there might be something there. Like I like I've got I've got a book due in the fall uh, in September, but I've got another book a year after and I'm already started to talk about that content. So mm -hmm. by the time like by the time it hits a book, I want to workshop in it. 
I want the book to be the final thing, not the first thing. I think books are good when you've got good stories, good interactions, you've tested the material, and then you finally put it in a book. I think books are thin and not helpful when you go, I hope this idea works. I had it in my office. I've never shown it to the light of day. I've never tested it with real audiences because mm-hmm. they'll immediately poke holes in it. And so, yeah, I now, I'm now kind of saying, okay, this was helpful. It's worth a book. The book is the final. Like this is, this is going to like the book, like I'm still talking about finish and finish came out six years ago. The book lives for a long time. So I want to make the ideas as good as they can be inside the book. So I was thinking about like almost two different analogies or two different paths. So in, in one space, you have like a like a band um, who may release an album and then tour yep. with that album. Now they're mm-hmm. still hitting some greatest hits, but they're going yeah. to, I'm going to introduce the album, then I'm going to tour. And whereas a comedian is almost the opposite. I'm going to tour and test material, and then I'm going to release the special. Then yeah. the final product is going to come out. So it sounds like in your case, it'd be a bit more of the comedian of, I'm going to test some material over the course of maybe yeah. months or years, trying some different things on this kind of uh, idea or theory or hypothesis that I have. And then based on that, then it's going to work together to create the final product, the book. Is that fair? Yeah. So I would say it's a hybrid because I'm testing a percent of the material, but when the book comes out, then I change into talking about that book hundred percent. So I'm testing maybe 10%, 15%, 20% of the ideas I'm testing, testing, testing. Once the book hits, now I'm talking about that. So like I tested soundtracks a little, but then when the book actually was available, that's when, when clients are like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, let's talk about soundtracks. Cause now there's actually a product. Cause if you do your job, the audience should say what's next. And you want an answer. <clears throat> I don't want to do a hundred percent of a book content. And they go, that was amazing. Do you have a book? And I go, I don't for like another six months because they, yeah. they're never going to feel served that way. So it's a percent. I'm testing like 20% of the content. I'm testing like 50% of it online with people in challenges and classes. And then by the time the book comes out, that's when I switch to 100% sharing the content because I want people to go, what's next? Oh, you have a book? Great. I can buy the book. Nobody wants to wait on your book. Do you find that like uh, today that you've got uh, three or four or five different keynotes that you offer, each one based on a book? Or is it basically, if you want to hire me, here's what the current album is. This is what the current book is. And like, this is what I'm... No, I have, yeah, I have like four or five. So I have like a change transition one that's based off a of do-over. Because even though do-over wasn't necessarily a book uh, that I could do instantly, I figured out that this change framework I had in it was perfect for companies. So I took that out and said, okay, this is... So I have a change. I have like one about handling change. Um, I have one about finish. I have one about soundtracks. And now I have one about all it takes as a goal. Now, the difference is, and I learned this from um, Zig Ziglar because he would take his best stuff and weave it into his new stuff. Same with like, you just mentioned rock stars. Like if, a, if you went to U2 and they were like, we're going to do an all new song tonight, you'd be like, <laughs> boo. Like we want where the streets yeah. have no names. Like, come on, Bono. So if I have something I think is really, really helpful from the soundtracks talk or the finish talk, and I've got a new all it takes is a goal talk, and I think it fits the moment, I'll add that. So they, but if, if a client said, we want you to speak four different times, four different speeches, I could go give those speeches independently, but I'll also, but if I'm only doing one, I might take a home run from another one if it fits and fit it into the new talk, because I think it'll really help them. So uh, yeah, it's four separate, but I can remix them as I need them. How, uh, whenever you are presenting something on stage, how do you determine whether or not something makes it in the book? Um, 
Well, if I if I'm saying it enough and I'm seeing people respond to it and then it translates enough. Some things on stage don't work in a book cuz they they work on stage cuz your personality. They work mm-hmm. because of your physical delivery. Like that's the thing where I really work hard to be funny in books and funny on stage because often doing both is challenging. Like mm-hmm. you like if you ever read like a comedian's book, you're like, "Ugh, this was like this the, the audio book though is better. Audio book is great because it's a performance and you can right. use inflection and his tone and her tone or whatever. But yeah, so I'm I'm always going like, will this actually translate um into like will it fit and will it be helpful? And if it won't be, then I just like ah, I'll I'll do a different idea. Or I'll do a smaller version. It was a three-minute story that I'll do in 30 seconds. Like that's the like Nate Bargatze. We uh we hung out one night a couple years ago and he told a story at dinner about something that happened to him. And it was like three minutes. And then when I saw it in his special, it was 30 seconds. And I was like, oh, what a pro. He stripped it down to its most hilarious. Mm. And I was like, oh, like I was learning from just watching him do that. And so like that's what I'll do too, is in the book, I'll strip it down to its most hilarious and and make sure it's like fire versus like a three minute where I'm telling it and there's pace and there's time for them to laugh. Like I'll strip it down. How should uh, speakers who either maybe they've done a book, maybe they haven't done a book, but they're especially they're early recognizing like, okay, I'm I'm doing enough speaking that feels like it would justify having some type of book. And I know, you know, kind of what my core content is of, of my message, uh, but I'm trying to figure out like what would go into that book. I mean, at this point, you've published uh, several books. You're You're definitely a pro whenever it comes to this. What advice do you have for taking a speech and turning it into a book? Yeah. So, I mean, I write out my speeches. The first time I have a new speech, I write the whole thing out, like the whole thing. So I'll usually have a 50 page speech already. So if you've already got that, so there's a couple ways into it. One, have you already written it out? Awesome. Start to chunk it into chapters, like chunk main points into chapters. Two, get some audio of some of your longer speeches and have it transcribed. So then you go, oh, here's here's how chapters could be in books. So you've already got a lot of the content. It's just about finding ways to make it chapters, finding ways to have a conclusion, finding ways to have a different introduction. So I would say like, don't start from scratch, start from what's already good. And then you and I, we've talked about this before. I love the stuff Jeff Coins does with helping people with books. So like he's my, whenever somebody's like, okay, I want to do a book. I'm always like, oh, go check out Jeff Coins. Like Jeff Coins helps people do books. Like I think he's really good at it. I've seen him help a bunch of people that I really respect. Um, So Jeff Goins, G-O-I-N-S, just Google him. Yeah. Google him. He'll do a book for you. It'll yeah. work for me. He's great. See? Yeah. We know him. He's great. That's a, and I'm not, there's not an affiliate thing. I just think he's good at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can say from firsthand experience as, as the original guinea pig, like it was, it was a great experience. And yeah. so when uh, people have worked with ghostwriters before, oftentimes it can, it can be a negative experience. Yeah. I had a great experience. And so uh, Jeff, Jeff was, was phenomenal at that. Do you have any thoughts on that uh, about ghostwriting in general? Um, because you are someone who loves writing. And yeah. so like, for example, you know, to take this tangent, like when, when Jeff reached out to me of like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a book? My response was, yeah, I would do one if you wrote it. Cause I just don't enjoy writing. Yeah. It's just not my favorite thing. But for you, like, it seems to be, uh, like, a something that you truly love that yeah. you're really, really talented at and really, really good at. So the idea of having a ghostwriter for you makes zero sense perhaps, but for someone else who's like, I got a lot of content. I don't necessarily enjoy the process. The idea of writing a book seems like a, a ton of, of work that I'm not excited about. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, to that, like I always think like shoe dog, I interviewed somebody the other day and I was like, what are your favorite books? They're like shoe dogs. One of them, Phil Knight, like he had a ghostwriter. Like you wouldn't be like that. I can't believe Phil, like 
What? You think the CEO of Nike is also an amazing writer? Like, do you think for a second, as he's helmed multi-billion Nike, he's also curated the craft of writing? What? What world is that? Like, no. Again, back to the baseball. It'd be like, it would be like if Michael Jordan went from basketball to water polo. And you're like, this guy. I think he might suck at water he can, polo. Like he's, he can do it all. Yeah. So no. So I think I would say one, a lot of the books people love are ghostwritten. So I would never, there's no, I have no qualms with being like, yeah, use a ghostwriter. Um, for me, I always think back, I have a friend, I went and saw him and he had four businesses. Like this was, I toured his office and there were four separate businesses, four different cultures. And like I almost had a panic attack in there. It was so loud and chaotic and stuff. And he loves it. Like he's mm-hmm. in his zone. And then he told me later, he's like, man, I got to do another book. And I hate books. And I hate books. And I was like, have a ghostwriter. And he hired a ghostwriter and it was amazing. And he was so mm-hmm. proud of the book. I'm the reverse. If you said to me, hey, you're going to run four businesses, I'd be like, that sounds terrible. I would, I would. I would rather have whatever is the ghostwriting version of somebody who runs the businesses. Like I would rather hire a CMO and a CEO. And so I just look at it that way. So for me writing, I write in the same way that I run. I need to run for endorphins and the same thing with writing. I need to write to get all the thoughts out. I got a lot of thoughts. I need them on paper. So it's healthy for, it's part of me being healthy is writing regularly. If that's not how you're wired, Dude, use a ghostwriter, use a service, create something you're proud of. But if you're amazing at sales, don't assume you have to be amazing at writing. If you're amazing at being a doctor or being a leader, yeah, I, I think a ghostwriting thing can be fantastic. So I, yeah, I'd never, I'll never put any shade on ghostwriting. Um, the reason I don't do it is because I need to stay connected to my writing as part of what st- keeps me healthy in the same way that not trying to trying to eat not junk helps me trying to run helps me it's it's part of my mental health at this point now we touched on it at the beginning but again you got this new book coming out uh, all it takes is a goal um at the time this is a release and people hopefully are listening to it uh, the book comes out next week uh yep. you also have put together a couple of bonuses and, and offers uh to be included with that so first of all tell us uh, again a little bit more about the book uh and then also yeah. why should we pre-order it so the book's called All It Takes is a Goal. It started with me bringing my oldest daughter to college where I had attended. She was touring. And my wife was like, wasn't college amazing? And I was like, no, it was terrible because I was just a train wreck in college. And I just felt this great sense of regret of looking over this season of my life where I wasted my potential. And I like mm. college crackles with potential. And on the drive home to Nashville, I started to think about that. And because I had written soundtracks, a, a book about mindset, I knew that negative thoughts weren't helpful to my mindset. So I started to go, what if I could tap into my potential? Like, what if college was four years? What if the next 40 years of my life, I could really tap into my potential? So I started to work on that. And then I did the second thing I do when I write books. I, I wondered, do other people have this same challenge? Like, does everybody feel like they're living up to their potential? That is everybody not? So I commissioned a research study with a PhD named Mike Beasley. He and I asked 3,000 people if they feel like they're living up to their potential, and 96% said no. Mm. 96% of people feel like they're not, and 50% said 50% of themselves is untapped, which is like only opening Mm. half your Christmas presents every year. And so then I knew, okay, I've got a personal need I want to work on, and I've got an audience who needs this too. I'm going to create this. So that's what the book is about, is how do you, in practical, tactical ways, tap into your full potential. Because I've read a lot of books that kind of talk about potential in a fuzzy way, but I'm a, like, 
Give me a goal. Give me something I can work on. What can I do with this on a Tuesday? It's not helpful. If your advice is when you try your goal, the universe will support you. No, it won't. The universe is like busy jamming boats into the Suez Canal. It's not concerned about John Acuff's day. Like that's not, I can't operate against that idea. What I can yeah. operate against is here's how you build an easy goal. Here's the time frame. Here's the actions. Here's how you grow with momentum. Here's how you build a scorecard. Here's, you know, all these different tools. So that's what the book's about. Yeah, the audiobook thing is fun because I read it. There's 10 bonus stories in it and you get the 100% book. Like sometimes people give a chapter or a segment, you get the entire book for free if you pre-order at atgbook.com, atgbook.com. Atgbook.com. Yep. So if we pre-order it, we get the audio book for free as well. Yep. Um, and phenomenal. posters and a bunch of other stuff. You get a, a signed book plate. Um, but to me, the jam is definitely the audiobook because I don't know about you. There's books that I like where I end up getting multiple copies. So we were like, I think yeah. people might do that. Let's go ahead and give them the whole audiobook. You said you said it yourself, audiobooks are fun when there's humor and it's read by the person. And I read it, so it's super fun, super high energy. It's gonna make the gym better, the commute better, the yard work better, whatever. So yeah, atgbook.com. Awesome. John, always good hanging out with you, my friend. Um, again, if people want to find out more about you, check out uh, your site. What's that site? Acuff.me. Acuff.me. Yep. Awesome, man. We appreciate you. See you, buddy. Hi, friend. Are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. I want you to book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready, to take that leap. I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one, and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.